0: Chapter six Part three Section three of a defense of idealism by May Sinclair. This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter six The New Realism Part three Section three The conception of that sacred communion in which Isheta partook of ID was plato's solution of the everlasting problem it was an attempt to escape from his own dualism the logical consequences of which he saw clearly the new realism in resuscitating plato makes everything of his dualism and nothing of his escape its interpretation of plato is peculiar it takes from plato what suits its pluralism and everything that will not fit into the programme it dismisses as a poet's fancy or the agreeable jest of a literary diner-out surely plato's desperate attempt to round up all the ideas in the one supreme idea of the good might have served as a reminder that it is easier to interpret him than to appreciate his drift an atomistic logic has prepared the ground for the first idealist who comes along and resuscitates the absolute its really great discovery that there is necessarily a universe of unique and solitary cases turns against atomism from the moment that the idealist lays his hands on it and converts it to his own use for by no logic can you get over the fact that things in this universe of ours have relations and that relations relate if particulars are related so are universals their atoms cannot be kept apart they gather together to form logical molecules which form bodies which form worlds which form the universe of thought because thought can analyse this universe into atoms again it does not follow that its universe is not one the fact that your logical atoms are free to enter many combinations is no disproof of their ideal or spiritual unity you may be pleased to ignore the incurable tendency of atoms to form a universe but you do not destroy unity by calling it a collection though apparently you thus make atomistic logic an easier game to play but only apparently for when you insist as realism insists on taking the spectacular view of universals by divorcing their reality from the reality of thought you have made it impossible to use them in your thinking with any spectacular effect and when you do use them it is as logical counters which have every appearance of being inside conventions rather than outside realities and it will not only be their absoluteness and separateness that lands you in this impossibility of thinking you might indeed get over that difficulty by saying that you do not think you only look on at a spectacular process of thinking and there every idealist who is not a solipsist would agree with you but what in heaven's name are realities defined as independent of any and every thought of any and every consciousness doing in a process of thinking which is nothing if not conscious what sort of spectacle will universals treated as independent realities provide not only is whiteness not white and a universal kick in the ribs not a kick in the ribs but they have no content and no more conceivable relation not even the relation of likeness to white or to a kick in the ribs than they have to consciousness the new realism has provided another contradiction for the idealist to rejoice in the unconceived and unconceivable concept and yet another for there is a universal both of every actual proposition and of every possible proposition and the number of propositions is infinite for there is a universal of everything that exists and has existed and will exist and of everything that is and was and will be from the infinite number of physical atoms to the infinite number of numbers and of mathematical points and instants and about every one of these a true proposition may be made and for every true proposition made or unmade there is a false proposition that denies its truth therefore there will be an infinite number of false propositions denying the existence or the being of these things it is also an axiom that from even one false proposition an infinity of consequences will follow and for every one of these consequences there is also a universal therefore there will be an infinitely infinite number of universals standing for an infinitely infinite number of lies all equally exalted to the high and holiest state of reality all in fact horribly real in erratically planted out since on the theory as concepts they are whether any irrelevant person comes along to make the propositions or not all much more assured of immortality than any person so that the realist pluralistic universe is thick with the infinitely infinite numbers of the non-existent even allowing for the necessary distinction between being and existence i do not see how reality can be claimed for these objects of conception if reality has any meaning yet real they are since they endure in utter indifference as to whether there will ever be a conceiver to conceive them the realist can't say somebody's telling a lie he can only say there's a lie somebody's looking at it and the idealist may add to his collection of contradictions this infinity of unreal realities which is worth all his other harvests put together contradictions are fatal to the realist who prides himself on not having any but as we have seen they are meat and drink to the idealist who does not exalt them to the position of realities he has no use for the things of sense eternalized but he can take over the whole show of universals in a bunch purified from all taint of the particular and the finite he can treat them as the mysterious entities he needs to build up his universe like so many absolutes they are definable only by negation they are not definable ontologically by their logical functions they make known but they themselves have no content by which they are known they are not knowers they are not in any sense selves yet through their logical function they serve as carriers of the invisible and impalpable secret of selfhood all this is exceedingly important for idealistic monism the monist must have had moments of awful insight when he realized that the relation of whole and part was not quite equal to the strain he was putting on it he must have been aware that a contradiction and a dilemma here would wreck him but he has not got to stand or fall by that incompetent relation now that realism has restored universals to their ancient place and power they have solved for him what must if he had finished his thinking have become a dilemma that would have finished him for if he is honest he must have asked himself how a logical function can at the same time be an objective reality now he knows from the relation of the whole and part it was not quite possible for him to prove that things to be known perfectly must be known as they are in the absolute but he has only got to read his three fat volumes of the hegelian logic again in the light of the logic of mr bertrand russell to find his proof staring him in the face to be sure the logic of hegel has a thickness you could cut with a knife and beside it the logic of mr russell has the consistency of fine dust or of a thin gruel but no matter he can make out for himself that universals are the absolute reality of things they if anything is are things as they are in the absolute we do not know them we only know their appearances yet it is through them that the things we do know are known the idealist has now got most of the things he wanted if his mathematics are right he has found seven contradictions in his opponent's theory making nine in all if they are wrong he has got two fairly crucial ones in any case his appearance and his ultimate reality are as secure as they were before the new realists attacked them he has got them tight white is the appearance of whiteness and whiteness is the ultimate reality of white and he has got what he never could be quite sure of before their relation and if he has not got all the unity and multiplicity he wanted he has enough to satisfy any reasonable monist a universal is most undeniably one in many and its appearances are undeniably many in one it is true that analytic logic rules out all hope of ascension to a higher universal on pain of the contradiction of the one subject predicate combination it is true that there can be no rounding up of an infinite number of realities in one ultimate reality on the lines it lays down and that ultimate reality is for it a contradiction in terms or rather every reality is immediate and ultimate this is where the ways of pluralism and of monism part but i think that it is here that the monist scores with his theory of universals and his theory of appearance and reality for you can conceivably round up an infinite number of appearances in one reality if your one reality is the one and only absolute and if as he maintains universals are not realities outside absolute spirit but owe their reality to the very fact that they are in it that they are spiritual there need be no infinite number of them that is to say no infinite progress that removes his highest universal forever from his grasp his highest universal will be spirituality he can now maintain without any contradiction that spirit is all things and that all things are spirit you cannot floor him with his own distinction between appearances and reality there is appearance and there is reality but if the spiritual universal truly is the reality of appearances if there is no other reality but spirit the appearances cannot assert an independent unspiritual reality of their own over against that universal appearances and reality are not mutually exclusive opposites they are correlatives and the distinction between them falls inside the spirituality that includes them both so that there will be no contradiction in the statement that reality is its own appearance and that appearances are reality but the realist who denies the unity must also deny the distinction since he maintains that reality appears as it is whereas the monist not only does not deny the distinction but has every interest in affirming it and he merely says that appearances are reality as it appears and that reality does not appear as it is the new realists like monsieur bergson aspire to join hands with science they should remember their ambition when they charge the idealist with arrogance it is not he but they who overstep the modesty of science what they call realities science and idealism have agreed to call phenomena nobody accuses science of reducing its universe to one vast spectral hallucination or infinity of hallucinations appearances have this much of hallucination about them that they exist but they do not subsist to say this is not to deny the power and the glory of existence it was suggested in the beginning of this essay that if the idealistic monist would only walk humbly and acknowledge and renounce his errors all might yet be well with him hope was even held out that if he would only face the new realism fairly and squarely without any absurd depreciation of its strength by surrendering certain positions he might still hold others better worth keeping i have supposed him to have put up his defence i have even imagined him advancing on the enemy's positions I might have made him show a more furious impetus in attack, but not, I think, a greater discretion in retirement. It is quite clear what idealistic monism must surrender if it is to hold its own in philosophy. It must give up its narrow philosophy of thought. It must give up looking for unities and identities and ultimate realities where they are not. It must give up its faith in the incompetent relation of the whole and part it must admit that metaphysical logic is in need of reform and it must admit that mr bertrand russell has reformed it it must admit the existence of a pluralistic universe it must admit that as far as human consciousness is concerned this universe is very largely spectacular but it need not accept the pluriverse that realism is thrust upon it above all it must not say that its righteous suppositions are ontological certainties if it observes these precautions it can hardly lay itself open to the charge of arrogance all philosophers are a little arrogant but which is the more arrogant the one who says either dogmatically or critically this is a spectacular universe but the spectators do not count and there is no reality behind the scene or the one who says this universe appears to be largely spectacular therefore it would be rather odd if there were not a reality behind it if he goes beyond this modest speculation it is because he finds himself intimately and mysteriously mixed up with the spectacle like one of mr russell's ultimates in a peculiar and undefinable relation he is in fact part of it he finds an immaterial reality forever behind precisely that portion of the spectacle that he constitutes as if a rent had been torn in the scene just there he is not considered arrogant or rash when he concludes that untold millions of spectators also mixed up with the spectacle intimately and mysteriously in a peculiar and undefinable relation constitute likewise so many spots as it were of immaterial reality discerned behind the scene he finds that these spectators are mixed up with each other in an intimacy and a mystery more peculiar still is he then so very rash or so very arrogant if he concludes that the immaterial realities discerned through these untold millions of rents are spots of one immaterial reality that is continuous behind the scene End of chapter six recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.